Welcome to Toxicology, brought to you by Recovery Unplugged, the place where we talk about all things substance abuse, recovery, and mental health, with guests offering varying perspectives and viewpoints. Hosts Joseph Gorordo and Jason Cabello share about their addiction and recovery and other serious subject matter through lighthearted yet candid conversation. One, two, three, shoot. <laughs> you know what? I'm going to intro, even though I won. Please. Welcome to another episode of Toxicology. The intro just told you that I'm your host, Joseph Gordo, and this gentleman right here in the beautiful green cardigan is Mr. Jason Cabello, the co-host S with the most S. I, sure. I think I just regendered you. I'm sorry. That's okay. <laughs> I, could, I could be fluid. Yeah. Oh, man. It seems like lately, every time we're about to record this show... I've got all the anxiety from all the things that are going on. Why don't you turn your phone upside down? Oh, that might turning, help. But look, I'm gonna put it. I'm gonna put it on. Do not disturb. Okay, I'm this is great content here. Yeah. It is good content. We all struggle. That's a struggle. No, that everyone no, it has. is. It is. And you're a busy man. Yeah. It's and, not like you're. And a tornado hit residential last night. You may not know this. I don't. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> wow. Got, for the second time in six years, Res got hit by a tornado. I'm not gonna call it an omen. But that's a that seems pretty. Is that kind of so? Living in Florida, I, we don't get many tornadoes. We no. get hurricanes, and you yeah. know you see those coming. Yes. So a tornado just kind of tornadoes have very things. little, if any, uh, preemptive warning to them. Jesus. So yeah, we got hit by a tornado. It lasted about twenty twenty five seconds. All the clients and staff are quite safe. Good. But the roof is, is not. No. Okay. Do we need to get up there with a tarp after this? No, I've got. I got. Right. I got people. Okay, good. <laughs> got people. Good. Um, but I will send you some pictures of the damage so that you can splice it into the episode and make it. I can. Yeah, real yeah. Fun like that. That's that's well. I'm glad everybody's yeah. safe. That's what's important. Um, the clients at Recovery Unplugged are number one. That's our main concern. Numero uno. Speaking of Recovery Unplugged, our yeah. title sponsor. Title sponsor. I love the place. Yeah. Sa- saved my life. Yeah. Um, you know, for my my drug and alcohol, my drug yeah. addiction. Saved my life there, but now we've expanded yeah. to mental health services. Oh, yeah. And so a big thing that I talk about in my recovery was that I had to get out of my own way before I could accept help, mm-hmm. right? And now we make it that much easier to get out of your own way because if your excuse is, I can't leave home, I have kids, I can't leave work, we have virtual services where you could log in. From your phone, laptop, iPad? Wherever you're at. Yeah, whatever. You could probably do it from like an an Alexa at this point. Probably. I mean, you could go to Starbucks and get your treatment there if you want. Yeah. Local public library? Local public library. It's a hot (laughs) spot for the kids, I know. You know, um, check out the periodicals. But so so, so knowing that we do offer these other services, you know, just besides um, substance abuse. Yeah. Mental, now that we're doing mental health. Is there anything, because you and I have talked and talked and talked and oh, talked talk about our addiction. Yeah. Is there anything else that you struggle with mental health wise? Oh man. Well, so I don't have any kind of formal diagnosis. I don't think I'm a person <clears throat> whose mental health requires medications or anything like that. Okay. But um I do suffer from imposter syndrome. I do uh manage uh I, I do function with a fair amount of stress and anxiety at all times. Yeah, that's kind of that seems like to be the wave that you ride, though. I think that yeah. you kind of, but I think you've harnessed it yeah. pretty well. Yeah, like you've learned to, you know, use it for good and not 
you know, <laughs> not doesn't evil. keep you down. Yeah, I wouldn't <laughs> yeah. say evil, but you know, like you've 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 learned to. It's not crippling. It's manageable right. for me, and and I, I think it at times can be quite helpful. Right. Because um, I mean, here's the thing about all mental health disorders, right? So like anxiety, right? There's a uh, a function to anxiety. There's a reason it's built into us that we can experience it, right? So it's so anxiety itself is not bad, right? But there's kind of a spectrum, you know, right. where we go from healthy anxiety to unhealthy, you know. Does my anxiety push me to try to do my best and be organized and prepare or does my anxiety uh, cause me to lock yourself paralyze. in the house and not leave and exactly agoraphobic exactly um same thing with uh with depression you know right. what i mean like sadness is, is is a human emotion that exists for a reason you know um but you know it can get to a point where it becomes debilitating if it's always there and it just yeah. comes up for no reason yeah. right so yeah. so my thing is adhd mm -hmm. which i you know, I kind of downplay just because I've lived with it my whole life. But my girlfriend will tell you, like, it is, I'm not going to say crippling because that is just that, that's way overstating it. Mm -hmm. However, I can't just do something. So that that's the difference between ADD and ADHD is like I have to act on it. Yeah. So if I'm, say, doing the dishes and then I'm like, oh, I forgot to send that email. I will leave with the water running to go send an email on the way, I'll see a shirt that I forgot to put away, so I'll have to put up the shirt before I send that email, and when I'm in the closet, I'll see a jacket, and I'm like, oh, I left something in the pocket there, pull it out, and then just... So on and so forth. Yes. Yeah. Like, and it is... And that is what you do. That is what I okay. do. Yeah. It takes... And I have this this thing, like, to leave the house, to even, say, go to the gym or go skating, Yeah, takes me a good hour and a half. I pace, I have my panic bags. I have like five different bags. Even if I'm just going to the skate park, I have five different bags with all my different things in it. And it's just, and that's a thing for people with ADHD. Yeah. It's called the panic bags. Yeah. And it's like, it's pretty- I've never heard of this. Pretty bad, it's yeah. pretty bad. I, and I will just pace and pace. I have to give myself a half hour yeah. to just pace. So do you feel like that half hour is just gonna be your way of coping with it? Or do you have like a goal on changing that behavior or do you feel the need to change that behavior at all i do just because sometimes it'll be so bad that i don't get anything done yeah and you know my partner gabby she's been really helpful with like finding ways to to help me with that so she's put this you've been to the house yeah. we have that little hand that like mm -hmm. on the wall just a little a wooden sculpture of a hand so then when i get there i put my keys my wallet, my glasses, these things that I'm going to pace around and look for. Yeah. Because that's another thing. I pace around so much, and I'll put things in different places that when it's time to go, yeah. I've scattered all my stuff yeah. all around the house, and I have to remember. Oh, man. You know, so, you know, not 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 a terrible problem, but it's definitely something that I've dealt with that, like, I don't I don't recognize all the time. Like, this is something that I have to deal yeah. with. But the, And she, like, so if I have to make coffee, like, I'll make her coffee in the morning because I'm a good uh -huh. boyfriend. And I will always leave things out. So I will leave the coffee out. I will leave the cream out. I will leave the spoon that I mixed it with out. I will leave the sugar out. Everything. Some grounds scattered on the counter. So Gabby yeah. has come up with this little song for me. <laughs> so every time I'm done with something, I have to, in my head, sing, put it away, put it away, put it away Way now. now. Oh. And so anytime I'm done doing something, I, I sing that song in my head. And I get things done a little bit more. So yeah, I'm, I'm learning to cope. Yeah. Speaking v of the Red Hot Chili Peppers, playing in Austin this Sunday for weekend two of ACL, Are and you? I'm not going. No? 
the chili peppers are okay. They got some stuff that I love. I think they're a little overrated. And also, I've seen them like three times. I saw them in their prime. Sock? Like, sock era? Uh, I think it might have been a little bit before the sock. It was probably like 1989. Oh, Jesus. So I was the, five. <laughs> I was 37. Best. <laughs> no, but yeah, I got to see them at this little club in South Beach, Miami. Um, club 1235. And there was probably like 75 or 80 people there. And they were great. They, they were great. Then I'm not. I'm not. I'm was not it a the huge... original guitarist, Hillel yes. Slovak. I believe so. So if it's, let's say '89, it was. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm not. I'm not that big of a fan. Yeah, I wouldn't even call myself a fan. But um, they they were great to watch yeah. back then in their prime. I, I haven't seen them. I think I see them at one of the early Lollapaloozas. Yeah. But they do ACL every couple of years. Yeah, yeah. But they've got man, people love them. I don't know. They're resilient. They've yeah. been around for a long time. I just I don't feel like they're relevant. Yeah. Anyway, enough hating on the Red Hot Chili Peppers. <laughs> um, you know, this week's guest is someone that I've known for, what, nine? Nine years? Something like that. A long time. Okay. We, we, we worked together at one point. We started a program together. Um, I have a very clear memory. Me and Chelsea were going through a hard time at one point, and I remember one time this man sat in the parking lot of infinite recovery with me as I cried. I was just sad at him. Um, what a good friend. He's a good dude. Nick is all around good dude. Um, so today's guest is uh, a man who is in recovery. He's an addiction professional, has worked in addiction for almost as long as I have, I, I think. Wow. Uh, yeah, yeah. So that means he's getting old too. <laughs> um, he's got some of the best hair that you will see anywhere in the Austin recovery community. Lucky. Uh, he's he's a man who's got a lot of hobbies. He's got a cool recovery story. And, uh, and we've been to some festivals together. So without any further ado, let's give a warm toxicology welcome to Mr. Nick Viejo. Poof. Hey, what's up, guys? <laughs> <laughs> Poof. Poof. Nick, welcome to the show. Hey. Yeah. Glad to be here. Glad to be on. I uh, I just came on just now. We haven't been talking at all. <laughs> no. It magically appeared? No, just like manna from heaven. We really are hyping you up, aren't we? <laughs> yeah. That's what we like to do. Yeah, yeah. That's a good thing, you know, because uh, I tend to... Uh, start to get nervous, especially yeah. if I probably look and see myself over there. So I'm just not going to look over there. Yeah, there's you'll, monitors. You'll forget here. about it in so, a minute. Uh, um, so tell you what, we were just talking about, uh, you know, mental health, right? Because, you know, we've all been in recovery for for multiple years, right? And, but it's not all la-di-da, you know? So like, what do you, what do you still struggle with today? Yeah. You know, um, I related to both of you guys, you know, I think uh, anxiety and it's funny because I was just at the doctor the other day and, you know, you go through the list and um, there's always a mixed feeling going through that, like yeah. being in recovery. You're kind of like, you know, because I used to embellish when I was in my addiction. I see the doctor and I'd be like, gosh, it's like a, my anxiety is like an eight right now. Yeah, right. Like, you know, I don't, I don't even know how I made it here today. You know, and there's a lot of med seeking behaviors with that kind of stuff. And then there's like a little bit of like, well, I don't want to like skip past that, you know, because yeah. that is something that's real for me. And 
you know, what I've what I've discovered in my own mental health is it comes in waves, you know? Like yeah. I remember passing through the depression thing and I've been diagnosed um like with mild depression mm-hmm. in the past and things like that. And so um it's not something that I want to slide over, but it's also one of those things where it's like, hey, um I have these things. They're not currently I don't yeah. feel like let's anything's going on. Let's not make a big on. deal about yeah. it. <laughs> I I feel a lot of people in recovery do that because it's like you try to live in like this gratitude thing where you're just like the worst is behind me. I've yeah. been through some shit like this isn't that bad. Yeah. You know, but you got to if it, you know, you don't want it to become that bad. That's true. You know, I think as like probably a lot of us like COVID brought up so much. Oh yeah. Like um I think uh, we started doing virtual meetings. I wasn't accustomed to that. I started checking emails and playing phone games and stuff like that. Right. Why, you know, and a lot of that too is because I saw other people kind of doing that on their screen. They have like you could see the glow of the TV in the background <laughs> yeah. and stuff. And so, um, and but, and in, in person meetings, it's very different, right? Like usually, most meetings, somebody will call you out, be like, "Bro, get off your fucking phone." Yes, for sure. <laughs> yeah, most definitely. Um, and so, yeah, there's a lot of stuff that came up during that, you know, period of time, especially with uh, depression. Video games got really bad for me. Um, and I'm not like I was not a video game player prior to that. I did every once in a while. Right. But, right. Um, so, yeah. What I, game was it for you? Were you like a Fortnite guy? No, uh, I got really into gosh. I And I still play with some of my friends, but uh, Animal Call Crossing. <laughs> <laughs> Minecraft, <laughs> uh, which it's not a bad game, but um, Call of Duty, yeah. like the Warzone stuff, and now Apex and stuff so, like that. So, in my early recoveries, I I had maybe about two years sober, a year and a half, two years sober. I was gifted an Xbox for Christmas one year, and I got Call of Duty Modern Warfare Two was the jam back then, and I hadn't owned a game console in years because drugs. Yeah. Right? <laughs> And uh, Harper had just been born, and I got so obsessed with Call of Duty that, like, I was staying up super late, and then in the mornings I wouldn't want to wake up with him, or he'd be taking a nap, and he'd wake up, and I'd be like, I'm just finish this round, and then I'll go get him. And I had to do step work with my sponsor at the time around my relationship with Call of Duty, so I, I get that. Yeah. I've never played it. Never played no. Never played that, uh, what is it, first-person? First-person shooters. Never yeah. played one. Oh, man. Never. Yeah. yeah once, I, once, they, once you could start going, like, 3D and not just left to right, I was like, this is so a you, too complicated for me. Did you play, me. like, Wolfenstein or Doom? Or? Doom, I've played Doom, but, like, Mario was, like, that yeah. was as, as, as into a game as I could get. Oh. Yeah, yeah. I think it uh, it got a little crazy for sure. I, you know, I think uh, kind of getting back in the mix. We actually therapy was something for me that really helped with that stuff. You know, yeah. we did. Uh, uh, me and my significant other Nina, we went through couples therapy, yeah. and it was like you know just really kind of reestablishing because. You know, I think we do all the things that make us seem like we're doing okay. Yeah. And that's the thing for me, right? Yeah, yeah. Like, um, keeping so up appearances, keeping up appearances. And I think I hide behind the nice guy. Like, uh, I think I'm genuinely a nice person. You, you are. Know? But I think uh, that's also something that is a bit of a mask. You too. can deflect some stuff with that. For yeah. sure. Yeah. For yeah. Sure. What are you talking about? I, you know, I'm, I'm a good guy. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not mad. I'm not <laughs> mad. I'm not gaslighting you. Yeah. Look at how nice I am, <laughs> yeah. right? Yeah. Speaking of gaslighting, I have never understood 
what gaslighting really is. What it means it or gets, what it... what It just gets thrown around so much that it's like, I, I don't know what gaslighting is. Yeah, that's become a... <laughs> that, that word will start a fight in my house. Because yeah. it's just like, if we say, like, you're gaslighting me now, it's just going to... Like I, one of us just has to say, like, listen, we're not going to take this any further. Let's just have a minute and say, we're not gaslighting each other. We love each other. So, 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 we've already talked about video games. We've already talked about mental health. But, uh, let's 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 get some of the basic stuff down, right? You know, um, how long you've been sober? What kind of recovery do you practice? And how fucked up were you before that started? <laughs> Yeah, you know, so in November, so next month, I guess, uh, I'll have 12 years of sobriety. I appreciate that. Thank you. It's it's crazy for me to even think about it, you know, because, you know, I still have the same brain uh, (laughs) in here. So, um, yeah, 12 steps is what started it for me. You know, 12 step recovery kind of built the foundation mixed with a little bit of uh, therapy. And that started to grow as well as I kind of uh, I really launched into the 12 steps, um, doing the work sponsor, you know, deep dived into that. And then um, some of the stuff that you guys were kind of talking about with anxiety, and just like, sometimes that being crippling. um, You know, as I got probably around two years um i had to start kind of branching off and start looking into like my own therapy and um that kind of develop you know so i do emdr um explain that to yeah yeah yeah. for for, for the listener for kathy in wisconsin okay (laughs) kathy this one's for you um so EMDR is really just trauma work, right? So you kind of work with both sides of your brain. Usually you'll go through, you'll develop a safe place, which uh, that's kind of a, it was a difficult thing for me. I remember my therapist was like, really think about like a place, like a lot of people imagine like on top of a mountain or in a prairie or, and I kept on like, I, this is like two weeks of a process, but they were like, uh, I kept on just being on my couch like, <laughs> with like a bag of potato chips, you know. You know what's wild? So I, I've never done EMDR, but I remember one time we were doing this guided meditation in the last rehab I ever went to, and she was like, "Find a happy place." She's like, "Maybe the forest or a mountain." And every like idyllic setting that you can think of, something negative would come up, like oh, the beach. Oh, my father lives at the beach. Oh, you know, whatever, right? So eventually, my happy place. Uh, was actually this other rehab that I was in the one that I was the one in Mexico that I was in for like a year that was my happy your place. safe place yeah that's... and I was like oh shit like if rehab is your safe place <laughs> <laughs> things are yeah. bad um, but so so with the EMDR no, you, well, find, you find your happy couch fi- happy couch right uh and that was like my therapist was like have you did you did you really put some thought in? you know i'm like yes it's, it's a couch <laughs> um and uh you know and so you establish a safe place and then you kind of walk through these traumatic um uh, and and sometimes something will bring it up you know so mm-hmm. um a lot of times in sessions i would bring bring up something that kind of happened throughout the week or something that I, you know, almost like a resentment Mm -hmm. that I couldn't like really let go of. And, um, and then we would kind of walk through it being like, you know, when are the first times that you could really 
remember, you know, um, somebody ignoring you or not, you know, and then you kind of walk through that. And then once you find that big piece, right, of being like that one time, you know, I was shouting for my dad, you know, and he like wouldn't like turn around or something yeah. like that, you know. And so you kind of work through that. Uh, you can use clickers or you can use these um, little lights to the, make your the lights yeah. for sure. There's some virtual versions that I've seen. Um, yeah, my favorite, I think, are just kind of like the clickers because you don't really have to pay attention too much to it. Like it's just like you feel the buzz in your hand. And um, and, and the reason for that is because the eye movement or the clickers is to activate the different sides of your brain. And that somehow helps to, I'm going to simplify it, but like to release the trauma. Gotcha. Right. Then it's interesting. I've heard so many different stories of where it was like, I've heard about the therapist that was working with trauma, you know, herself or something like that. And she was watching like a tennis match or something at the park. And then I heard somewhere else. I, I think yeah. there's a couple of claims to fame on it. So. You know, it's funny though. So like, let's say she was watching the tennis match, right? Now she was like, oh, it has to do with both sides of my brain. She could have easily assumed like, oh, you must watch tennis to release trauma. <laughs> Or there's something magical about Serena, Serena Williams. She's a trauma, you know, just. Right, right. It could have went a whole different direction. Just those two tennis players. They're like, listen, yeah. y'all, I don't know what kind of magic you guys got going on. What if it was like a ping pong match? Yeah. <laughs> With the clicks, too. Yeah. With the clicks. Got the best of both worlds. So, so before you got sober, though. No, you know what? No, no, let's not even do that. Let's stay on this. I like this. Um, I think one thing that people, I think, I know I was under this impression when I first got sober is that, like, if I could just quit doing drugs, like, that's it. Like, I'm good. Yeah. Right? And we all, what I found is that folks who stay sober, like, there's always another thing <laughs> to work on, right? Um, but... I found that, you know, some people don't do that, right? I know people that are sober that they still just do their 12-step meeting every single day. Um, but I've always described it the idea, you know, in the in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous or maybe in the 12 and 12, it mentions uh, that AA is spiritual kindergarten. You know, it's like the entry point into this world of growth and spirituality. Yeah, you don't want it to be like finite. You want to keep on, yeah. keep on growing, keep on moving, trying new things. Yeah. Yeah, I um, I kind of look at my journey, right, and I kind of think about those things, like like that stuff, right. Like my sponsor was very much so twelve step by the book, you know, sit down, you know, he's like, I don't, you know, you can drink a cup of coffee and smoke a cigarette while you're meditating. I'm fine, fine with that, you know, kind of deal. And um, I'll never forget having like the conversation because there was a time in my recovery where I always kind of felt like I just wasn't doing enough, you yes. know? Right. And um, I can't live in that space very long, you know, like, cause that, that brings up old things. Like he's like, oh, well, I'm just a, I'm just a screw up, you know, like yeah. I'm, I'm like, um, like, yeah, no wonder you can't, you, you can't do anything. So you get those old voices in your head. And so. I'll never forget having um, first thing was like I did a fist up with my sponsor and those of y'all I mean the inventory you do the inventory during your first step um, and then you read it off to your sponsor during your fist up um, and I actually had um, a therapist that was running like an aftercare program that we were in as well and uh, who was it? 
I'm gonna shout him out, Eric Banachek. Eric Banachek. So be, yeah, if y'all, he's he's <laughs> right in this name, like right down the street from here. So, um, but man, he uh, agreed to meet me um, before the aftercare thing and do like another fist step with me, like in in such a super kind like way that I really I needed that too, you know, yeah. through that process, and so. Um, but there's pieces in my story where there was like, yeah, you're, you're not meditating right. You know, I'm like, you know, and I struggle with a little bit of ADD as well. Yeah. And so that's, uh, I'd be like, you know, I'm like in the shower, right? I'm like, I, I got to do all these, I got to meditate, close my eyes. Um, and, uh, but man, I, I remember I got a bike and that was a big deal for me, you know, cause I remember my parents wouldn't buy me anything that was like expensive uh, for a while. And I remember- Good for them. And they're like, they're like the last time we got you one of these. You pawned it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and so um, I got a bike and I remember I was riding all the time. And it was like the most clear and like the, the like it was a chance for me to just be able to sit. And it was just me on my bike, you know, and everything that they were explaining of what you would get through like a meditation like i was like i'm like experiencing that right i remember i was so scared to like yeah. tell my sponsor like hey like this is in the mornings i go and i just ride my bike yeah. and like and i feel like that's like my meditation and then i did and he was like receptive to it you yeah. know he wasn't like um Man, like that's not how you're supposed that, to. Do that could have gone the other way, though. Definitely could have, definitely could have. And there's a lot of things that happened for me. Like, um, I was going to a primary AA meeting, um, and uh, Northland um, was like, and and it's because I was being very like, I loved going to the meetings with people that were my own age, but I also struggled with that as well mm -hmm. because like I got very distracted and like anything chaotic that would happen, right. like I wanted to be plugged into that. You know, I'm like, oh, you know, people think of it, yeah. People are outside smoking stogies, <clears throat> like <laughs> that's where I want to be. You know, with and, the cool kids, yeah, exactly. And so. Um, I remember like consolidate and my sponsor's like, you know, why don't you just come to Northland for a while? And there was like a lot of old timers and stuff like that. I had people in Northland and this is this Northland's not like this so much today. And it wasn't it was starting to change when I started going. Um, but I still had some old timers in there coming up to me and just saying, you know, being like, hey, you know, uh, you're a heroin addict, you know, like um, they got like other meetings you know <laughs> and my sponsor would just be like he would be like you're gonna have a bunch of people that say that they, they yeah th those people kicked me out of aa yep <laughs> essentially same. that's yeah. why same <clears throat> but you know i think what i keep thinking about is how like when, when you first get into recovery you know the goal is just to stop doing drugs right and the steps for that are super easy like it's a checklist right like pray meditate you know work these steps help another alcoholic or addict like it's real if I just do these things, I will not get high. Mm. But eventually, right, at least for me, right, the, the not getting high part got real easy. And then it was just like, well, like, how do I live life? And, and, right. And, and, you know, I feel like I had to start incorporating some other tools, right? Like you were talking about therapy, um, you know, therapy, different forms of meditation, different, you know, just different things. Yeah. So for me personally, 
you know, I, I moved I moved here right um, beginning of 2020 from Florida. Best time to move to Austin. Okay. It was, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wow. yeah. So <clears throat> in Florida, I was really connected to, you know, I work NA. I was really connected to the NA community out there. And I was sponsoring like five, six guys who were getting multiple years, you know, and, and every one of them was working and it kept me really involved with it. Then I move out here and then I'm going to NA meetings, but I'm not meeting newcomers to sponsor out here. You know, all of my sponsees who I've gone through the steps with, because, you know, in, in AA, the steps go, you could work the steps pretty much at your own pace. In NA, it's, you know, years and years. It took me, I think, four and a half years to finish my first round of 12 steps. So once I finished my round of steps with my sponsees, it was like, I'm not living there anymore, find somebody else. So I'm not sponsoring anybody anymore. So I lost that part of me. That was my way of giving back. And then I just felt so empty, like, because I didn't have that anymore. You know, I couldn't just go like, oh, it, it, I wouldn't say that it, it was getting tedious, but it kept me busy because I had a, a few guys who every day was, you know, I had one of them saying like, hey, let's meet up for coffee. I have just finished a step work. And then once that was gone, I felt like, I lost part of my purpose. Mm. So and, was it was it a, more of a spiritual loss that you felt, or was it like an identity loss? A bit of an identity loss. Yeah. A bit of an a, a little bit of both too, because you know it. You gain a lot when you help people. Yeah. You know, and it, and it makes you feel worthy. And then <clears throat> it not having that anymore, and then meetings shutting down completely, and then me not really having like I have a ton of friends in recovery out out here, but not. A lot of people who I would go to meetings with because most of my friends out here work other fellowships. Mm. And I was just kind of lost. And, you know, I got really into, I got into transcendental meditation, which that, that kind of, you know, especially for somebody with ADHD, I needed some, I needed some deep meditation and a way to get into it. So that helped me tremendously through it. And I still practice all the time. Um, and, you know, if it weren't for that, I don't know where I'd be now because I found that one thing that I do every single day that it might not always turn out. It might not have the results that I wanted. I might not get to some spiritual place. It might just be me sitting there for 20 minutes thinking about work. But when I'm done, I'm like, I did something for myself. I put the work in, you yeah. know, and that's what we're taught here, right? Yeah. You, you just put the work in and then whatever happens, happens. So, so question, Nick, as... You know, as your recovery, as your personal recovery has shifted and changed over the years, how about professionally? Because, like, I remember back in the day when you and I worked together, we were like 12 steps or die. Like, there is no other option. But I, I have a suspicion that, that you don't see things that way anymore. No. You know, I um, I think then, right, and I, I think we, we – as I remember, we kind of both gravitated towards that. Well, in a lot of that's like what you're taught, right? Yeah. You're you're taught this way, and it's what's been given, and that's what was like given to me mm -hmm. too, you know. And so, and then even I think there was even a hint of me where it's like, yeah, like I don't know if I vibe with this as much as I used to, but also it was the way that I was taught. So I don't want to think that I know how to teach something better than what mm -hmm. was given to me so there was a piece of me where it's like well i'm going to continue to implement this and talk about this in the same way that i have even though i've seen my life change you know mm -hmm. and I, I don't know if that's as clear as i want it to be but i think that there's like 
there is still a piece of me that feels that way where it's like, you know, you got to start from, you know, I wouldn't want to write the book of, of, (laughs) you know, recover Nick's recovery. Right. Um, I, um, because I think that in each person it develops differently, you know, as far as what recovery means, you know, I think, um, you know, a lot of people talk about a pink cloud and things like that. I got sober and life sucked. Oh yeah, for a while. You know, tell us about that. Well, you know, I got out of treatment, and I think um, I played the treatment card over and over and over for my loved ones, for the courts. You know, to stay out of jail. You know, how many times did you go to treatment? To, to treatment. So the last time I went was the twelfth treatment center. Okay. Um, and Do you count it as only one time, even though you left multiple times during treatment? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I uh, yeah, it, it, it's as long as it's in the same uh, in the same month, you know. <laughs> you know, it's one time. But Nick, did, didn't you you walked from the arbor to Cedar Park, right? I did. So. How far is how far of a walk is that? Uh, 25 miles. No. Yes. It's uh, 16.7. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, but when you're you're detoxing a little bit, you know, it feels like 100. Yeah. You know? yeah. And it's in the middle of nowhere. So you're kind of like, I remember like being like, is this the right way? No, like probably. You, in was back. this an AMA walk? Like you left and then. Yeah. 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 It was, uh, it was the. Yeah, it was the day of my last dose of detox medication. Um, okay. And that's not, that was an excuse. You know, I had been two, you know, the two weeks that I had been there, um, if that, I every single day was like, I'm leaving, you know, so. But once uh, that Suboxone's rubbing, running out, you're like, I have no more excuses. To I was stay. Like, no I more reasons to stay. Pretty sure I got something at the house that <laughs> will be. Um, so, yeah, that was uh 17 let's just call it 17 miles uh, how long did it take forever i don't even know yeah. how long was it, it was like and it was <laughs> it was that night everybody else went to an outside meeting they were like we can't take this guy to an outside meeting because he, he'll get gone and uh um and i remember the person that was kind of supervising at the time was having like a really solid one-on-one with the other guy that had some medical stuff going on that's the reason he couldn't go and um so yeah, I, I took off during that time, and uh, it was a good walk, man. Uh, like I, I think we all can relate to like that struggle and that fight, you know. In the walk too, the, <laughs> yeah, the walk too. To get, get it all out, you know. And it was an adventure. I crossed by skunks, you know. I'd never come across a wild skunk before. I was that was like, a sign. <laughs> was a sign. Like, you know, I crossed by this property where like these horses like followed me, and I was like, "This is a that." That's where I took the. I was like, "This is a sign. This, this is, is the, the right. horses think this, this is, is the right, right thing <laughs> to do." You know, my like, spirit so, guides. Yeah. So, but yeah, luckily, I you know I went back to treatment, and you know I think. Um, Gosh, every single time there, there's very few times that I went to treatment and I didn't want to be sober. You know, mm-hmm. like every time I walked in there, I was like, "Yeah, like my life sucks right now. Like I need to." But, gosh, those it, it changes so quickly, and it's not it doesn't change in the, like I don't want to be sober kind of way. It just changes in the like I got this, you yeah. know, kind of way. And um, yes, so that's one of the best tricks your your disease can play on you is the like. I've been sober two weeks. I've put on five pounds. I'm not detoxing anymore. I'm I 
I got it. it it's it's really sad, and it's so when I, when I was in treatment the last time at Recovery Unplugged about six and a half years ago, um, all these people would AMA, and I would notice that everybody says the same thing when they're AMAing. I know what I got to do. I'm gonna I'm gonna get home. My sponsor's picking me up from the airport. Like I just got to get back to it and. I could say I heard it probably five or six times, like from different people, and four of those people died within like a yeah. week. Yeah, yeah, that's it. That hits hard, you know. I mean, before I went back to treatment, this last time, I remember sitting in the car with my dad. We're both like, man, it was, you know, and you're real close with your dad, really close. Yeah, he's he's been. I mean, he's just been. He he's the guy that bailed me out of everything. Right. You know. Um, and, uh, and, you know, I've got tremendous love for that man. And I got a lot of remorse, you know, for what I put him and the rest of my family through. But, um, yeah, I remember sitting in the car with him. It's the, you know, before going to treatment to the Arbor again. Um, and we're sitting there and we're trying to figure out, like, what the hell to do, you know? Like, and it's like we've been to treatment center after treatment center. And I remember, like, we're both, like, in agreement like that I need to go to a, like a long-term mental institution, like yeah. a year minimum kind of deal. And we're both in agreement. We're like, okay, like this is where we're going to go. Then we go to the place and they're like, dude, like you don't qualify to oh. like, to go to long-term, um, like you need to go back were to Were you trying rehab. to go like the state hospital? We went, yeah, yeah. We went to the, we went to, uh, what, Shoal Creek? Yeah. We went in there and they're asking me all these questions, um, and they're just like, yeah, man, like you're you just like, you're and you're at this place where you don't want to start playing the system and say what you know that you could probably say for them to let you in. Are you trying to be honest at this point? Yeah, yeah, I was, I was trying to be honest um, as much as possible. I think some things were play, even played up a little bit to like just be like, get me away from my dad, where I feel a lot of guilt, like being around him right now. Yeah. So. Um, but for the most part, like pretty honest and they're like, yeah, man, like you're just, uh, like, you're just like addicted to heroin, man. Like, you need to, <laughs> so, right. so we got on this cause we were talking about how much your life sucked after you got out of treatment. So, oh yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. That sucked. Uh, <laughs> I had to go to jail. Um, sober. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I had to go to jail sober. Um, you know, like going to sober living and stuff like that, that was probably a highlight, you know, even though it doesn't feel like that a lot of times when you're getting out of treatment, you're like, I got to go stay with a bunch of other guys. Right. And, um, you know, I um, I know the biggest thing for me was I'd lost, uh, I lost access to being in touch with my son, Yeah. you know, and so I, while I was in treatment, you know, the my girlfriend at the time, you know, we, she was pregnant and, um, and through the time that I was in treatment, I was separated for most of her, like that last part of her pregnancy. You know, I'm so grateful that I got a pass to go see, uh, Harley be born. That's his name. Um, and, uh, you know, it was, it was such a, a gift, um, to be able to do that. But, you know, her family and her and my family, they're all trying to figure out how this is going to work, right? They're they're yeah. like, that. Nick, you know, he's, he's you know, facing jail time. He's in treatment again. Um, you know, 
you know, she was also struggling with addiction and through all that stuff. And so uh, her, along with like the courts and um, my family did the best they could. You know, they tried to be like, hey, like we want to be the the parents, you know. Okay. For, um, but the other family was like, look, like if we're not going to be involved, you know, in the in this child's life, um, we don't want you guys to be, like. Obviously, both of us, both families are like fighting with this mm-hmm. like disease right now, and so. Um, they went for a closed adoption and that like hit mm. me like um, hit me like a ton of bricks. I don't think that I've ever experienced that much emotional pain in my life, especially through this whole period where I'm like, I'm going to be a sober new dad. You yeah, know? Right. And so that along with going to jail, along with just all this turmoil and stuff like that, you know, um, I think I just tucked my head down and was just like, I'm just going to do what I'm supposed to do because I just don't know. Like, and uh, quite honestly, to be real, like, I think a lot of me was like, because if I don't do this, like, I hurt so bad right now. Like, I don't know if I will make it through, like, you know, another use, you know, and so... Um, that that, that's it's a good example of, of what you say, Jason, that like don't use no matter what, right? Like, that was real big for Jason when Jason was first getting sober, and like that's an example of that, right? Like, and accepting life on life's terms, like that is textbook accepting life on life's terms because it's like you have this one thing where you're like, my life sucks right now, but I'm gonna be a new dad. So this is what I'm gonna put my focus on. This is where my hope lies. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna be a good dad, and then that's gone all of a sudden. Yeah. And you're like, what are you doing? Like this is, yeah. you know, well, how, how did you finally accept that? To that have is, you? You know what? That it's a. I will say it's a daily battle, right? Like, and here's the thing. Like, I think, you know, I've gone and and talk about my story. Some days I can bring that up, you know, and sometimes I'll be like, man, I just, I had had to go through a hard time, you know? And like a lot of it's because like, you know, I'm sitting here almost, you know, 12 years at this point and uh, and I've still not, you know, I've not still not seen my son again, you know? And, you know, I think there's a lot of me though that embellishes the place where it's like, man, like, if that opportunity ever comes up, like I want to be fully present, yeah. you know, for that moment. And so, you know, there's a there's, you know, therapy obviously in my story. And some of this, like, you know, I don't think I accepted it whenever I was newly sober. I think um there was just a lot of like sad moments, you know, and a lot of, you know, but I think there was also as hard as I think it is to kind of say a little bit, there was a piece of it too where it was like, man, that pain, like working the program, working with other people, um, I'd never had seen anything else work in my life other than doing drugs, yeah. you know? And mm-hmm. so the the piece where it was like where I found relief was like, just through helping other people like and it took me and it was almost like that golden nugget that like really kind of like um i was like shit like this like this works and like i'm here hurting you know um and i'm like i'm able to actually 
continue moving. Yeah, you yeah. Know? I mean, that's one of the mo- most difficult things anybody ever has would have to go through, right? Is like you know losing the ability to see their their offspring, mm. and and it's almost like the universe kind of. I I think what you're getting at is like the universe sent you something really hard to walk through to realize like oh I can walk through this and not get high. Yeah, yeah. What else can I do without getting high, right? Yeah, it was, and, and you know, I think that that's also kind of like um, why it took a little while to kind of go through the therapy route because there was a piece for me where I was like, man, I don't know if I can crack that back open, right? Like, and actually sit through there and work through it. But um, sure, it took, it was about two years, yeah. you know, until I started being able to like, um, you know, you see things happen in your life, right? Like it was like I was going through the 12 steps, things were fine, but also like my relationships with uh, like my significant others, like some of the relationships with uh, my fellow, you know, recovery people and stuff like that felt like it felt like some people were getting more in relationships than I was. And it was something that I started picking up on where it was like, man, like I am um, – like I want to be more in depth. Yeah. When it is like there was like a part of you that was still kind of closed off and unavailable. Sh- almost. Yeah. Yeah. Sheltered. You know, like uh, guarded. And so uh, therapy was one of those things for me where it was like you bring that in, and so yeah, like it sucked. You know, <laughs> at the beginning. <laughs> is um, there something that you practice to to be more present with people or to be more open to people that you that you got out of therapy? Um. I think a lot of that is internal for me. Um, a lot of times, like, not sitting and overthinking stuff, right? Like, because I remember there'd be, like, pauses or if I'm not making somebody laugh or something like that or, like, you know, I'll take – I used to take that super, like, yeah. personal and be yeah. like, uh, If you text somebody and they don't text you back within, like, 20 minutes, you're like, fuck, dude, I thought we were friends. <laughs> yeah. I guess they don't like me anymore. Yeah. I was like, I knew it, man. I knew it. This person's dangerous. <laughs> <laughs> they all yeah. hate me. Uh, I took some friends to, a, to like, a movie. Like, uh, we all went out to a movie together, and I got to pick the movie. And the movie turned out to be terrible, and they hated it. What and, movie like, was it? Uh, I'm not gonna say it because I loved it, oh. but it was it was uncut gems. So oh, I loved what? it. I loved it. Everybody who I went with did not like it, did not enjoy it, and I'm just looking at them and I'm like, these people are never gonna talk to me again because they're just like, <laughs> great fucking choice, Jason. And I swore they'd never talk to me again, but we're still friends. Chelsea calls that anxiety the movie. It is. She got like halfway through and she was like, I'm you finished this alone. That's what they said, and I'm like, I loved it, and they're like. I'm like, oh, what? You come to movies only to enjoy yourself, you weirdo. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I thought that was incredible. Any movie that can invoke emotion like that out of me, like I'm like, okay, yeah. like I, I see you. Uh, and you know what? The people, like I myself, don't suffer from anxiety, but I know at least one of the people with me did. So maybe that <laughs> was like, I get enough of this in my everyday life. I don't need to yeah. pay money for this. I, I think that movie solidified for me the idea that Adam Sandler is a national treasure. I agree. Big fan of the show, too. Yeah. 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 Adam, thanks for watching. (laughs) (laughs) Um, We're we're getting towards the end of our time. Already? Yeah. Which is is, uh, wild. And you know what's what's, what's been really cool is a lot of times we spend a lot of our time together talking about the before part, right? You know, which, uh, and we really didn't talk about that at all today. Which I think is kind of cool. 
Yeah, no, I, I agree. Well, and a lot of it's like it's like you know, a part of me is like, man, I before I did a lot of drugs. You yeah, know? That's, like, that's, I was that's a story. Wrecking, wrecking a lot of stuff, but you know, uh, and I, I do want to, I do want to capsulize. You know, it sucked just after, right? But like gifts, like continue. And here's the thing: is like I, I, I went down the road of recovery. It grew for me in a lot of different ways. Um, you know, once I started kind of getting deeper, relationships started becoming more. Um, and then also it was like, man, like all I had to do was just continue to go down this path that was still beginning to be carved out. And um, like doors just continue to open for me, you yeah. know. And so that's been like the biggest gift of anything else is like the fact that like the connections that I have today are like more than you were talking about, I just wanted to be a normal, you know, the normal guy or whatever yeah. like that. I remember I'd see people cutting their yard and washing their car and stuff like that. <laughs> like, I'd be like going to the, you know, the pawn shop or the dope dealer or something like that, seeing these people. I'm like, God, like if I could just, I 100% if I could just be that, that dude, yeah. you know, and, um, uh, and, and if I can add, you know, I've gotten to watch you grow in the way you have relationships, you know, cause like, I remember when we worked together before, like I already had kids, I was already married, you know, and you were in in a relationship that you'd been in for a while. Um, but I remember without going into detail that like that kind of ended because you weren't ready to commit further. For sure. On, on a couple different ways. That sounds like detail to me. That's not, that's not too much. No. <laughs> but, but like I also remember you coming and being like, yo, I just met this girl, Nina. You know, and it's on a freaking bike ride, dude. Yeah. Like, and, and y'all been together five years, almost now? five years now, yeah. which like is huge. And you're talking about like the work that's gone into it, right? Like, y'all have been to couples counseling together, y'all own a home together, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, Kyle, Texas, yeah. shout out, Kyle. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's been cool for me to watch that because, like, I've seen you in two significant relationships, they're very different. <laughs> and I appreciate that. And, you know, I think my prior relationship, you know, it was, man, it was, it was a good relationship too. Uh, and we're still really, really good friends. Yeah. Like, uh, and I have a lot of love for that person, you know. Um, but I also think just the way that it worked out for me, like, I still, I still had a lot of growing to do, mm -hmm. you know. And so, um, and, I still do, you know, like it, it, this right. is a, I, we, we, we talked about like the growth piece, right? Like the, the part in the big book that says that we have to continue to spiritually grow. I've really just thought about that in a bigger picture, you know, that's not just like within the 12 steps or, you know, you know, seeking God or anything like that. That's like in all ways, right? If it makes me uncomfortable, there's probably something that I need to look into on that. And sometimes I'm ready for that. Sometimes I'm like, yeah, like, let's dive in that. Sometimes I'm like, later. Yeah. I, yeah. Or well, not let me at find, all. Let me find somebody in network with my insurance, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So. Uh, Joke's on you. No one's in network with your insurance. Well, shall we get to the, yeah. So I know you've skimmed the show before. But one of the things we like to do towards the end is a little something that we like to call Rapid Fire Question Time. It's Rapid Fire Question Time. There's explosions. Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, I will. Shit, I did not prepare. Okay, at all. go. You get to have a bromance with anybody, living or dead, and I'm talking like Ben Affleck and what's the other one's name? Matt Damon. Matt Damon type bromance. Who would it be? Could be a celebrity. Could just be. Oh Ashley. man, I got a Theo Vaughn. Uh, I like feel like I've like just been listening to that guy <laughs> so much recently. Do you feel like he's talking to you, <laughs> like giving you messages? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I just the way his mind works, you know, and what like I just like I I it's he's hilarious. So, okay. uh, all right. There's always a music question. Title sponsor: Recovery Unplugged. Um, music, music is our medicine. medicine. Yeah. Um, what is a song that you throw on like a banger for like when you want to feel confident, you want to feel like a G, you got to feel on top of the world. What's, what's your go-to song? Oh, that's so hard. I feel like I haven't like thought about that in a while. Um, probably some Travis Scott, I know that's super basic, but like, <laughs> uh, I don't know. I don't know the song names or anything like that, but probably. Travis Scott. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Acceptable. All right. What was the last thing and when was it last time you cried a happy cry? Ooh. Um, gosh, it, it's, it was happy and it was sad, right? So I was, uh, going through those uh, photo memories. Um, and man, I uh, I just like started looking at some pictures of my dog that passed away years back. Oh. And man, I was just like missing her and loving her and laughing about like- What was what her we, name? Juno. 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 I remember yeah. Juno. I met Juno. Yeah, yeah. Super, just a, just a, just a great dog, right? So- um, Rest in peace, Juno. Rest in peace, Juno. Um, but yeah, like I, uh, I think that was like the. It was a solid cry too. I like I hadn't haven't uh, cried like that in a minute, so it was good. All right, Ben and Jerry come to you and they say, Nick Viejo, we would like to make a Nick Viejo uh, signature ice cream flavor. What do you call it, and what's in it? Um, and they're in a hurry. uh orchata probably okay um would be something that i would probably want to test out but gosh uh with vanilla or i i think orchata vanilla what do you call it (sighs) knick knack (laughs) (laughs) I like it, Nick Mac. All right, last one. Okay. Um, geez. All right. We're in Texas. We're all probably taco aficionados, right? Corner flour. HEB has both. They're mixed together. And oh, they're they mixer. They do have this guy's hybrid. nuts. You you gotta you gotta go early in the morning to H-E-B to get them. You gotta so, wait in line. Yeah, so they run out. All right. Uh, Good compromise. Yeah. But if I'm, if traditionally speaking, um, 
I think I'm I think I'm gonna go corn on that one. If if none of them were gonna exist anymore, I would probably go corn because I think I I just have solid respect for the corn tortilla. So Nick took that question to another level. Like, okay, we're gonna get rid of flour tortillas forever. <laughs> no one gotta can go ever all the way down the line. Well, I mean, that's a good way to think. If you have to make a choice, you have to think like this is never gonna be an option again. Yeah. Ever, ever. All right. Well, Nick, thank you so much for coming out today. It's it's uh we got to talk about a bunch of cool stuff, and it's always a pleasure just to sit down and shoot the shit with you a little bit. Um, the last thing we we have for you is is you know we have literally dozens and dozens of listeners to this podcast, loyal listeners. So we're gonna give you the floor to share one final message with them about whatever you'd like. All right. Well, dozens and dozens of listeners, listen up. um no i uh man guys i really appreciate the opportunity as far as being on this show if i've got a if i'm gonna tell anybody you know to to anything right like i'm just gonna be like find somebody to help today you know it doesn't mean that doesn't mean like you know probably maybe not everybody's in recovery or anything else but like you know i think um if i found myself in a low point in some of the lowest one of the lowest points that i was in you know i called uh somebody i called my sponsor and asked like to let him know what was going on he told me to pick up the phone and just go down the phone list and just start calling people to and ask them if they needed any like any help with anything today and uh it was such a it was such an amazing thing for me so um if anybody's listening and they're having a hard day today man just uh just go through your phone, go through your Rolodex and um, call people and it'll be awkward. You know, <laughs> some of us going to be like, well, what? Like, but uh, man, find somebody to help, man. There's always somebody out there. So awesome. Well, thank you again, Nick. And as we like to say here on Toxicology, when it comes to recovery, there's a thousand roads in and a thousand roads out. We and you, we hope you find, find your yours. road. Oh, you little bitch. <laughs> <laughs> I hope you find your <laughs> rose. <laughs> <laughs>